0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: On today's episode, we will talk to Rich Miller, Kansas linebacker. He is fourth in the Big 12 in tackles right now, and he knows Lance Leipold and his coaching staff as well as anybody on the roster. Because he hasn't just been with them for two years. He's been with them for four years. He spent two years at Buffalo under Leipold and his staff. And when Leipold took the Kansas job, Rich Miller decided he wanted to come to Kansas and keep playing for that staff. I want to know why. I want to know why Leipold has found a way to win at Kansas in a way that nobody that came before him over the last 12 years has been able to do. And why a guy like Rich Miller decided this is the only coach I want to play for while I'm in college. And we're going to open on why I'm done with caveats with Kansas football. We always move the goalposts with teams that we don't trust. It's time to stop doing that. This team is as good as any team in the Big 12. But first, I want to talk about College Game Day. College Game Day is coming to Kansas. I believe they were one of seven schools that had never hosted Game Day for football, and now, all of a sudden, it feels like we're living in a fantasy world. KU-TCU ranked matchup, and KU, who's now at number 19, in the AP poll, has a chance to really, in a big, big, big way, put themselves on the national map. Now, game day is sort of weird. You always expect the game day is going to be the primetime matchup. It's not. It's an 11 11 o'clock kick on FS1, but you're going to have Kirk Herbstreit, Reese Davis, Pat McAfee, all sitting there on the hill in front of the Campanile. All eyes on Saturday morning are going to be on Kansas football. And in years past, when you'd say that, it was for all the wrong reasons. Either they beat Texas or they had did something historic like have 17 yards of offense in a game against TCU or whatever that was back in, what, 2016. That's not the case anymore. All eyes are on Kansas because you are 5-0. Didn't look how you thought it was going to look against Iowa State, but you still got the win. And now you're a team on the rise looking to make history. Enjoy this. Enjoy this moment. These moments well, for Kansas, have never come before. Don't take that for granted. What a great weekend ahead for the Jayhawks. All right, so Kansas beats Iowa State 14-11. to Definitely didn't look how I thought it was going to look. I thought Kansas would win that game, but if you would have told me ahead of time that KU could win a game without scoring 20 points or that they could win a game with Jalen Daniels throwing for less than 100 yards, I would have told you there was no way. But the defense came up huge. And I guess when you take it all into account, the offense wasn't as good as you thought it would. Maybe a little bit conservative at times. The defense had its best game of the season. So in the end, it all comes out in the wash. I'm done with caveats for this team. Kansas is a Big 12 title contender. There, I said it. Feels good. Feels good to upset it. Is that a hot take? It feels like it is only because it's Kansas. And with that comes preconceived notions about who they are, what they've been as a program. I feel like all the conversation this year has been about the next game. It's always about the next game, in that if they win the next game, then this is possible, whatever this may be. If they beat West Virginia, then they can hit the Vegas over on two and a half wins. If they beat Houston, they can be a four-win team. If they beat Duke, they can be a bowl-eligible team. Well, now they just beat Iowa State who probably has the best defense in the Big 12. And while I know this is the most exciting moment in what seems like forever for most KU fans, there still remain questions about how good they really are. And I'm not even saying that those questions aren't justified. I get it. It's Kansas. This wasn't supposed to happen. They weren't supposed to be in this position. But here they are, 5-0, top 20 in the country, with one of the nation's most explosive offenses. None of this is a fluke. This team is absolutely capable of winning this conference. I think we have a tendency to do this confirmation bias thing in sports where we start with the conclusion and then we try and find these data points along the way to support it. And I'm guilty of it all the time. You don't think a team is any good, so regardless of how many wins they rack up, we constantly find ways to ding them or we create these new benchmarks that they have to hit for us to actually take them seriously. Nothing that they accomplish will ever be enough because then we'll just look back on it, revisionist history, and say, well, was that team actually that good? What's next? What do they need to do next? we got to stop doing that with this Kansas team because that's exactly where Kansas finds themselves now. Now they're ranked. Now they're facing a ranked team in TCU this weekend. So now, they have to win in order to truly validate themselves as a legit Big 12 contender. I mean, what if they lose to TCU, right? Maybe TCU is a really good team this year. They just obliterated Oklahoma. That game wasn't even close. So maybe they end up being one of the best teams in the conference, if not the nation. So does that mean that all of a sudden, if KU loses, that they were just a flash in the pan? Just a cool little story in September? Of course not. Just like if they win on Saturday, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden they're the best team in the conference. You beat TCU, you move up a few spots in the AP poll, then you go on the road in back-to-back games against Oklahoma and Baylor, which are both games that you could absolutely lose. Kansas could lose this week. Or, here's another scenario, they beat TCU, and then they go win the next weekend in Norman against Oklahoma. Here's another one. Maybe they win both of them, and then they lose the third week on the road in Waco against Baylor. It doesn't matter what scenario you want to come up with. None of them change the reality of this team. Nothing short of completely flopping or dropping like two games in a row changes the reality. They are fully capable of being the best team in this conference. Now, I mean, if you want to play the, the schedule game, we do it all the time. It's fun in sports talk to go week by week and figure out, okay, which games do you have to win? You can do that. You can go game by game and figure out what are the most winnable games? What are the most losable games? What are the ones that you absolutely can't afford to lose? Ultimately, though, it's just a simple numbers game. Doesn't really matter who you lose to. It just matters how many you lose. Last year, Baylor goes seven and two. They won the conference. One of their losses was to a five-win TCU team. Year before that, Oklahoma had two losses. They won the Big 12. One of those losses came against a four-win Kansas State team in week two. Other thing, timing doesn't matter either. We think racking up these early wins, it really doesn't. Timing doesn't matter. Opponent doesn't matter. All it is is a numbers game. Before Oklahoma two years ago, it was four years in a row Where they won it with either one or no losses, but their quarterbacks were Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and Kyler Murray, and Dylan Gabriel ain't those guys, and Brent Venables isn't Lincoln Riley. That's such a big part of this. We're in this sort of weird moment in the conference where I'm not really sure which brands I'm supposed to trust. For the longest time, you you sort of knew that Oklahoma and Texas were gonna be the big players, they were going to be in the mix every single year. You'd have years where they were down, and that's when K-State or Baylor or Oklahoma State would jump up and steal a conference title. Well, Oklahoma already has two losses. I don't even need to address the Texas situation with how the post-Mac Brown era has went. So instead of having these traditional powers that you have to overcome if you want to win the conference this year, it's really just a bunch of good teams. I think one loss would guarantee you a spot in the Big 12 title game, but I think two still gives you a really good chance. And this team is absolutely capable of going 5-2 and two down the stretch. Aside from final win-loss record, one thing that almost every Big 12 champ over the past decade has had in common is that they all have one thing that they're elite at. And it's usually been offense. Guess what Kansas has this year? Last year, Baylor won it with a really, really good defense, but that's more of an anomaly when you go back and and look at it over the years. There are teams other than Kansas that fit the billing this year. TCU is one of them. So is Oklahoma State and K-State, and the Hawks are going to have to go through them all if they want to go to Arlington. The only difference between those teams that I just mentioned in Kansas is the reputation. Kansas has the reputation of a loser. Those teams have reputations of respectability and stability and consistency. But just look at Oklahoma. They're two and two. They're probably out of the Big 12 race. What happened 10 years ago under Bob Stoops or five years ago under Lincoln Riley has absolutely no bearing on what they're capable of doing this year. Just like what happened at Kansas under Charlie Weiss and David Beatty has no bearing on what this Kansas team can do. You've got a great coach. You've got an explosive offense. You've got a Heisman candidate quarterback. There is no big bad wolf in the Big 12, just a handful of good teams, and KU is one of them. Kansas linebacker Rich Miller, he is first on the team in tackles. He is fourth in the Big 12 in total tackles through five weeks. Now KU getting a ranked matchup here between TCU and KU college game day. Everybody knows about it by now. Rich, uh, I want to just start with that Iowa State game because it felt like, I don't know if a coming out party is, is the right way to term it for the defense, but on I mean, 11 points uh, against an Iowa State team when you really needed it because the offense hadn't been scoring as much as they were in previous weeks. What was working for you guys against Iowa State that led to that performance?
2: Um, it all really started with with our preparation, to be honest, you know, um, preparing throughout the week, you know, we, we took a lot of extra time. We knew Iowa State did unique, like ran the unique scheme or whatever, you know? So we took extra time out of our days. We made sure everybody was able to watch film, get extra, extra mental reps at it every day. You know, it, it, it all started up early in the week, you know what I'm saying? So it, I mean, it was pretty cool to see everything come to fruition and everything like just, fall in place because we actually prepared for, it. you know, uh, we were disciplined in, in what we said we wanted to do. And, you know, it all worked out for us.
1: I know the offense has kind of been stealing a lot of the headlines with, I mean, averaging over 40 points per game. You got a potential Heisman candidate in Jalen, but for you guys to have that performance on a day when you really needed it, how validating was that to say like, Hey, we can, we can step up and win games for this team too.
2: Um, it, it was, it was actually, it was like very validating because, you know, everybody, like you said, everybody has been looking at our offense and saying, Oh yeah, they have a great offense. And I um, mean, you know, we were, we weren't getting a lot of shine because honestly we were giving up a lot of points more than we want to give up, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it just, it came to a point where we kind of, we just got tired of it. You know, we, we want to, we want to show everybody that we can do it too. um and And we did. So like the confidence around here is, has, has gone up so much so you know it only, it only goes up from here because we know we can do it so you know what i'm saying it's just, it's just a matter of let's do it again
1: when you go through a season like this and you see the offense the other guys on the side of the ball having the type of year they're having explosive offense big plays downfield 40 plus points per game what kind of effect does that have on you guys as a defense
2: uh, it actually makes us really excited to get back out there and try to get another stop for them. Um, you know, it makes it makes the game way more fun because, I mean, you we got something to cheer about on the sideline. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. they go out there, they score, they get all these big plays. We out there cheering our butts off. Like, we're so happy for each other out there. So, you know, it just gives us, like, an energy boost to go out there and back up what they're doing. You know, we don't want them to score on us. We don't want to make it a battle of the offenses. You know, we want to put together a whole team, a whole team game. So, it just gives us a lot of energy, you know, a lot of excitement on the sidelines. Even when we, it gives us a different swagger running out on the field as well. I don't know
1: what the practice setup is for you guys throughout the week, but whether it's during practice or in games, how often are you guys watching the type of innovation they're doing on offense with all the misdirection, all the pre-snap movement, you're bringing in two quarterbacks, you've got all this stuff. How often are you guys watching that and just saying like, you know, how the hell is anybody going to be able to stop this on Saturday?
2: Listen, so we, we go against them, uh, like twice per practice. We actually do like O versus D ones on ones, like twice per practice. So in those instances, I just be out there like, man, what are y'all doing? Like, (laughs) I'm so glad I don't have to play y'all or whatever. So, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy going against them, but like if we're not going against them, I don't even pay attention to them because my mind would be everywhere if I was paying attention to them too much. Like, <laughs> man, we go against them, I just be like, all right, let's get through the period, let's let's run to the ball, let's give out max effort because we have no idea what they're gonna do.
1: So obviously, you're familiar with uh, this coaching staff, not just because you know most of the guys on the team. This is just their second year with them. You started at mm-hmm. Buffalo. Let's, I want to start with you a little bit. How does a kid from Detroit wind up playing college football at Buffalo?
2: Um, so I I was kind of, in my opinion, under-recruited because everyone thought I was undersized and they didn't know what I could really, really do. But I always felt like I could, I could play power five football. So, I mean, that opportunity didn't come. And I always understood that I never got down on myself. I never feel bad about myself or anything because I'm about making the most of my opportunity. So I went to a camp, and um, it was at Grand Valley. I went to a camp, and Coach Simpson was there, and linebacker coach, he watched me go through my drills. He um, he watched me do one-on-ones. He watched me do everything, and he actually went up to my dad first and told him that they were going to offer me a scholarship, whatever. I had no idea. So, uh, So once he did that with my dad, he came up to me, and let let me know that uh, they were going to offer me a scholarship. And I had other, I had other max school offers and other things from there, but that one, that one hit a little different because he went to my parents first and he told them like how much faith they had in me off rip. You know what I'm saying? Like off the jump, they told me how they told them how much they they liked me and how much they wanted me or whatever. And that meant the most to me. It was, it was kind of like a no brainer. Like just talking with my parents, it was really a no brainer. Like. I got this far from listening to like people older than me, you know, just taking in wisdom and knowledge. And when my dad told me that it was like, it just hit me different. Like, man, he really just went to my parents. told me he didn't just come straight to me. He went to the source, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's, that's how it all worked out, honestly. And, um, actually like a unique thing too. We went on a visit to Buffalo and out of like, out of nowhere, my dad's truck just stopped. And he was like, man, it means we're supposed to be stuck here. Like, we're, we're supposed to be here. <laughs> and I committed. I committed. I was like, yeah, we're supposed to be here. So I committed. And, you know, it was history from there.
1: So, when you, what was your first impression of this staff? I know you mentioned Simpson, Coach Simpson, who's still your position coach at Kansas. But when you go on that visit and you start meeting everybody, what was the initial impression, not just of the staff, but of just in general what they had going on at Buffalo?
2: Uh, it was like, I know a lot of people say this a lot about, you know, where they want to go. But it was legitimately family. Like when I when I got there, it, like the the players I met and what they talked about, the coaches is kind of what sold me too. Like, you know, they always they were so happy with each other, you know, they they loved each other, everyone was all in tune with each other, you know what I'm saying? They wanted to be there to play for each other and play for the coaches. And that that's all I needed. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big family guy. So, you know, I just always was like, man. it it, it feels like family. So I got to roll with it.
1: So you spend two years at Buffalo. Then last spring coach Leipold takes the Kansas job, brings a ton of his staff with him to Kansas at that point. How quickly did transferring to Kansas become an option for you?
2: Um, quite honestly, it was, it wasn't really the initial option. Like, I'm, I'm I'm I always wanted to finish what I started. You know what I'm saying. I always wanted to finish what I started. But like as I as I talked through with some of my former teammates that still are at Buffalo, I told them like, I mean, I, everything happened for a reason. And I always felt like I could I could do a lot. You know what I'm saying. I feel like I can do a lot. And these are the coaches who recruited me. And I always told myself like, if the coaches who recruited me ever left, like, then what? Maybe I need to find someone else who who wanted me. You know what I'm saying and a new coach that you bring in, they might not want you specifically. So I went through all of that with my parents and everything, and I decided to enter the transfer portal. And once I did that, it was a no-brainer because Coach Simpson was like, oh, yeah. And that just showed me that, like, they actually have faith in me. You know what I'm saying? Even though I wasn't a starter, they had faith in me and what I do and what I bring to the table and, you know, just the type of person I am. So it was a no-brainer.
1: So whether it was Coach Simpson or your D.C. Brian Borland or Lance Leipold, what is it about those guys that made you say, that's who I want to play for? That's that I'm going to stay in college. I'm going to keep playing for the same guys I've been playing with.
2: Um, I mean, it was just like, like I said, the belief they had in me, it was like the belief they have in their players. You know what I'm saying? When, when they believe in you, they're going to show you, they're going to mean it you know they're going to they're going to love you like their own you know what I'm saying they, as long as everything all the like all the ducks are in a row on both sides then they're going to believe in you man and they they're not going to like do you they're not going to do anybody bold or anything like that everything was genuine and they always kept it real with me you know what I'm saying it was never i never got any type. they never lied to me about anything like when i got here honestly he told me cuz life told me like rich you're not coming here to straight start and you know, they know me. They know if you told me something like that, and I gotta prove you wrong. So he was he was wrong for telling me something like that. But he told me I was uh <laughs> I wasn't gonna start and I was gonna just play special teams and like earn my way onto the field and like I'm okay with that because I had to I always had to earn things. So, you know, like I said, that was him being straight open with me. And you know, that's all I could ask for. Just just be honest with me, because I'm gonna be honest with you.
1: Whether it's that or something else, I know these are the only coaches you've played for in college but i'm sure you've got you know friends from high school who are playing at other programs that you, you may keep in touch with has there been anything that you've noticed in talking to other people or just kind of seeing how things happen at other programs that that makes you feel like maybe maybe these guys are a little bit different than how some other people do it around the country
2: it really is what i just talked about like that honesty like i talked to a lot of players and they always said like their coaches weren't always honest with them even if they were the best players on their teams or their defenses or, you know what I'm saying, in their recruiting class or something, they just said the coaches weren't always honest and they weren't in it for the players. And at times I feel like, like, yeah, these coaches are really in it for the players. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I say at times because it don't cross my mind all day. But like when it hit me, I was like, yeah, they're in it for the players and they, they actually care about us. They care about our well-being and things like that. So that that's the biggest difference for just hearing from other players and things like that.
1: So what were your initial impressions of Kansas, whether it was uh, when you came on a visit or when you showed up and you guys start going through the, the off season conditioning stuff, whatever it was, what, what, what were sort of your initial impressions when you got here? Um, so
2: actually a funny thing is in high school, my coach brought us on a visit. We went to like 10 different schools and Marvin was with me as well. Marvin Grant, he played safety. You know, we were, yeah. we were, we were on a visit here and I was like, I kind of like this place, but it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So I don't know. So that's what it was in high school. And then like the opportunity came back full circle. I was like, wow, like it's crazy how it all happened. But when I, when I got here, I was just like, this is exactly how I remember it. They added, um, added the indoor and everything. And like, everything was new. And I actually got to explore the town and I was like, it's actually a pretty cool town. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not too many distractions. You know, Kansas city is, 40 minutes away. If you wanted to really do, do something, it's not that many distractions. You can come here, you focus and, you know, just get better. So that was my initial impression. Like I can just focus lean back with no, no distractions, no worries, and play my game.
1: I've heard you talk about this before about wanting to be a part of the foundation, because as I'm sure you're well aware, there wasn't Mm -hmm. a ton of winning going on at Kansas the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. Hmm when you're processing that sort of stuff, what is it about the idea of being a part of foundation and being a part of building something that was really enticing to you?
2: Um, so, I mean, I always, my whole life, I've always been a part of like winning programs, right? So I've always stepped into spots where, you know, things are already going good. Um, so I always wanted, I always felt like I wanted to be the one who started something like that. You know what I'm saying? Be the one who they look back and say, oh, yeah, Rich was on that team, and Rich helped them do this. And not even about what I did individually, but what I did to impact the people around me. Like, I always just wanted to impact people around me, and I felt like this was the best opportunity for that. Like, if I would have went to a different school, they would have already had their people and what they wanted to do. They would have already been instilled in their players and everything. But – You know, coming here, just me helping the coaches instill everything we've instilled since we've been here. Like, that's what makes me proud right there. Just, you know, being able to help a hundred other of my teammates. You know what I'm saying? It was, that's just what I loved. I love helping people, to be honest. So I just wanted to be the foundation and I just get a kick out of helping people, honestly.
1: How quickly did you did you feel maybe the wheels start to turn on getting this thing back on track? Because it's really easy to look back on the record last year, two and 10. Mm-hmm. I know you guys finished really strong, but mm-hmm. did, Matt, how quickly did you start to feel like, okay, maybe now we're starting to get things rolling in the right direction.
2: Um, honestly, last year towards the end of the season, though I wasn't happy with the, um, with the outcome of, of those games, I felt it. I never said anything because, you know, we just lost. Like, it's nothing to be happy about, to be honest. But I, I did feel I did feel it because it was the little things that we needed to pay attention to in order to pull out of those games on top. So I was like, man, once we get these little things down packed, like, it's a done deal. And throughout the whole spring and, and summer, you know, I just – I felt and I watched how everyone came together and wanted to be better for each other and started holding each other accountable more and you know, just buying into everything we're preaching around here. Like I felt it throughout the whole spring and summer. Like we we actually worked on it intentionally the whole offseason. Like there were no days off at all.
1: Did you imagine this though? Like did you imagine that your team would be K I know it's early and I know you guys still have a lot of stuff you want to accomplish, but You guys start five and zero. You've got one of the most high flying offenses in the country. Everybody around the country's taking notice. You guys are a big national story. You got College Game Day coming into town. Did you envision
2: this happening this quickly? So I mean, I can't say I envisioned this specifically, but we we knew we knew when we start getting when everybody started buying in that we knew how special we could be. We never we never put like a limitation on ourselves per se. You know what I'm saying? We never said, Oh, we're, we only want this amount of games or we want to start the season off five and up. We never said anything like that, but we knew we were going to be a much better team than last year. Like I try not to look at the outcome for the most part, but I, you know, when looking at the process and how we're going to get to where we want to be, we knew it was, it was going to be special.
1: Well, now that you've gotten here, now that you're, you're, you're ranked, you're finally getting that national respect does anything feel different for you for your teammates? Is there a sense of accomplishment yet? Do you do you allow yourself to to sort of stop and smell the roses at all?
2: I'm not going to lie. I I don't me personally, I don't I don't think my teammates have uh Something funny. One of our teammates, uh, Gerv, Kalen Gervy, <laughs> he keeps telling everybody, "Don't drink the Kool Aid." <laughs> 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 He's telling everybody, "Don't drink the Kool Aid." We're not done yet. So, you know, that's that's what's going around the locker room. Like, we we're far from where we want to be. Like me, I'm I'm not. I don't. I'm not gonna say I don't feel accomplished. I don't smell the roses until it's all said and done with. And and, and like we got the main goal. So, no, nah, not really. So
1: I want to, I'll get sincere, you're, since you're new to the, I mean, relatively new to the program, you've been here for two years, you know, I've been covering this team for a long time. And I, and I said this at the beginning of the year before I knew you guys would be this good. But one thing I said about coach Leipold that made him different than a lot of the guys who came before him here was that it didn't seem like he was trying to sell fans on anything. A lot of coaches will come in and say, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have all of this stuff going for us. You guys need to come and support us. I didn't feel any of that coming from from Lance Leipold. He was just like, hey, Mm -hmm. you know, we're working hard and uh, we feel like we can have a good team this year, which was almost refreshing to me because I feel like a lot of fans have felt like they've been sold this false bill of goods. That's what we Mm -hmm. see on the outside. We see this buttoned up sort of no nonsense, straight to the point type of guy in your head coach. How would you describe him as a coach, as someone who, who sees him every day? Um, honestly,
2: he gives us what he gives you guys. You know what I'm saying? He, we're, we're never settling, you know, he don't ever want to settle. He, he's going to always tell us what we need to get better at, but he will definitely point out the good things. He'll point out the good things, but he wouldn't point them out so much to where, you know, you get to feeling yourself too much. You know, he always let us know what we need to get better at. And it's always room for improvement. Like never settle. That's the, that's the type of guy he is. He always a never settle type guy. And, I feel like if we got that mindset then we can just keep on, keep on going up from here.
1: So specifically defensively, I know it happens on both sides of the ball, but mm-hmm. uh, you guys play a ton of dudes. I mean, mm-hmm. I was looking at the snap counts from last week. I think I counted, I may be wrong, but like 20 guys who played at least 12 snaps, which uh, I mean, Kansas fans will tell you there were years where they didn't, they couldn't even fill out it too deep because uh-huh. the scholarship numbers were so bad. Now the scholarship numbers are great it feels mm-hmm. like everybody has a role. Like nobody is indispensable on this roster. Do you like the, I know you're out there a lot, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're amongst the guys who you and Kenny who are out there a ton of those snaps, but do you like that? So many guys are rotating in and out. And there are so many guys who have roles on this defense. I
2: love it because it, it keeps everybody, keeps everybody on their toes. You know what I'm saying? It keeps everybody knowing that, you know, if this person go down and I have to do it and, it, it, we can mix and match. We can put different people on the field at the same time. You know, everybody stays fresh as well. You know what I'm saying? It's, I mean, I probably, I think I cramped up one game this year. It was like West Virginia. And I think I was just, that was just my adrenaline rushing. Like, <laughs> but like, I'm rarely ever tired because I know if I get tired, it's someone else who can do the same exact thing as me coming in. Like, it's really a great feeling. Like, you don't, even though, like you, you want to be tough, you want to be, you want to be able to fight through things. You don't have to anymore because people can do it. You know, what I'm saying you don't, you don't have to go out there and hurt, and hurt yourself just because you have to stay in the game in order to win this game. Like someone else can do it, and that's a great feeling.
1: So I'm not asking for a prediction or anything like that, but um, mm-hmm. with the start that you guys have had, I know you, you kind of. Knew this team was capable of doing something special. 5-0, and still a lot of football left to be played. What are your expectations for the team, for the defense the rest of the way? Have they changed at all since what you were thinking before the year?
2: Uh, my expectations are to just keep going every day and just be our best every day. You know, not look too far ahead at what we can accomplish four weeks from now or whatever. But just keep our eyes, you know, on the, on the task at hand. You know what I'm saying? Just control. What we can control and, you know, everything is going to take care of itself. That's, that's the only expectation I got. I just don't want everybody to get complacent. I want everybody to, you know, have that growth mindset that we can always get better.
1: Well, Rich, this has been fun, man. You're a stud. They told me you were a rock star. They were right. Uh, I've enjoyed talking to you. Um, it, it's very clear that, uh, you know, your coach Simpson said that you're the heartbeat of this defense. So it makes sense as to, uh, why you guys have risen to the occasion. So I appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to me, man. Uh, Best of luck this weekend and the rest of the season.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you. It was good talking to you. Nice meeting you as well. All
1: right, that dude was awesome. Rich Miller, Kansas linebacker. The Kansas defense came alive against Iowa State, and you needed them to. They picked up the offense on what was their worst performance of the year. Now, Iowa State was a really good defense, probably the best the Big 12 has to offer, but just knowing that you have that, knowing that that's possible, they're also one of the worst offenses. So you can kind of play that game all day if you want to. I'll choose to be a glass half full. I've kind of been trying to do that all year with Kansas football. I've I've grown a little kid a little surly over the years when talking about the Hawks because I, like a lot of people, have been snake bitten, and you've just sort of grown accustomed to an aptitude. That's not the case. I'm trying to remain positive. I think the defense rose to the occasion, and it's a unit under Brian Borland with a lot of returning production from a year ago that I feel like doesn't need to be great, just needs to be okay. It's what we've said about Kansas all those years when they're at the bottom. Don't be, it's not that you need to be the best or even be the sixth best. Just don't be the worst. That's all you're really asking because on most nights, on most Saturdays, this Kansas offense is going to come to play and they're going to put up points. And they're going to give you a chance to win. But there are going to be those handful of games. Saturday was one of them against Iowa State. There will be more of those. There may be two or three more of those the rest of the year where offense doesn't look like this well-oiled machine putting up 40 points and you need the defense to go out there and make you some plays, get you some stops, and win you some games. It's nice to know, at least in in a one-game sample size, that unit is capable of getting it done. Now it's a complete reverse of the type of team you're going to play. TCU, I mean, at least when you look at the numbers, almost identical to what Kansas has done this year in terms of just being an elite offense. I will say this, that schedule is pretty rough. So, once again, what am I going to do? Pick against the Hawks? This is going to be a fun, fun game. High-scoring game. I would expect this one to be in the 30s, but college game day. The vibes are immaculate. Shout out Remy Martin. Give me KU 38 to 33. I don't know how easy it is to get to 33, but that's what I'm going with. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review wherever you're listening Apple, Spotify. We're everywhere. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. It's Waving the Week.